Welcome to the nationally syndicated In the Oil Patch radio show with Kim Bellotto, broadcasting from the Port of Corpus Christi studios. Get more on the Port of Corpus Christi at portofcc.com. In the Oil Patch radio show will give you an inside look at the oil, gas, and energy industry and how it affects you from industry experts and government officials right here on the In the Oil Patch radio show. And my guest today is Arthur E. Berman, who is a petroleum geologist and a scientist with over 45 years of the energy industry in the experience of both fossil and non-fossil energy sources. Art, you routinely give keynote addresses to energy conferences, board of directors, and professional societies. You have published more than 100 articles on energy and its effects on the Earth's system that includes climate. And you also have a whole lot of followers on Twitter, over 38,000. You recently gave a talk to the University of Texas in Austin's Energy Institute. And as I said before we began the show, it's actually in my eight years of being on the radio, probably the best lecture I've ever heard, but quite frankly, one of the scariest. And, and I want to get into that on the show. You really break things down to the problem. And, and from the way you see it, it's a big problem, but fossil fuels is just one component. We are going to hit the wall somewhere here, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, your um, lecture was titled substituting, excuse me, renewable energy for fossil fuels is a doomsday stratagem. So I want to cover that. Let's get started with the lecture to the students um, at the Energy Institute. Tell our listeners um, what your abstract, well, let's read the abstract, or, or do you want to tell me about your abstract of what was the whole purpose of this lecture? And if you leave anything out, I'm going to read it because it's important to our listeners to really understand. It was some great stuff. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, let me just start by saying, uh, in addition to your uh, lovely intro, uh, I am um, 100% in favor of renewable energy and doing something about climate change, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I mean, some people think, well, you you know, you've worked in the oil industry for 45 years, you know, you must be, a, you know, a, an advocate. And, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not against it either. But um, what I'm trying to say, or what I, you know, the message I wanted to give at UC was, it's this whole idea that all we have to do is substitute renewable energy for fossil fuels, and everything will be fine. It's just so mistaken. It, it's so it's so desperately wrong that it, it's just really hard to uh, it's hard to explain to people because that is the that's the narrative that um, is that we're out. told day in and day out by the media, by our elected oh, yeah. officials, oh, yeah. by the world. And, and and you know, and I I, I think they believe it. <laughs> no, I mean probably not all of them, but so in other words, I mean I'm not accusing anybody of of of, of deceiving the public. It's just that. Energy is complicated and complex, and people like politicians, uh, business leaders, uh, they, they simply don't have the, the knowledge or the background to be anything more than fundamentally energy blind. And so they, you know, they, they look for three talking points that will satisfy whoever their constituents are, and it has to be simple, and it has to sound good. 
And so the problem, as I see it, is that climate change is not the major threat that we face, certainly not in the next five to 10 years. Again, it is a huge problem, don't get me wrong, but it is a consequence of the way that we are destroying the Earth's ecosystem. Okay, now, we hear a lot from our leaders about clean energy. I mean, this is an oxymoron, an absolutely ridiculous statement to make. All energy is clean until you use it, okay? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, they say it every day. <laughs> there's nothing inherently cleaner about energy that's produced from renewable sources than the dirtiest sources that we can imagine. It's what happens when you convert that energy into a useful form, which we call work, that waste products are produced. Right. Right. And among those waste products are carbon dioxide, and heat. And I don't care what energy you're converting into work, you're going to produce waste products. It's just it's, right. a, it's, it's just a fact of physics. You cannot change that, okay? So the notion of clean energy needs to go away. It, it's just, you know, it's uh, an unuseful word. Let me read your abstract because it's going to, then it's, we're going to take us into the show. It says there is no energy transition, no paradigm shift or green revolution. The popular idea that fossil fuels can be or being replaced by renewable energy is false. New energy sources have always been additives with no empirical evidence of replacement of one energy source by another. Renewable energy requires material that use fossil energy for their extraction, transportation, manufacturing, and distribution. The four essential pillars of modern civilization are steel, cement, plastic, and ammonia. And none of these are possible without fossil fuels. Energy substitution is a doomsday stratagem for that condemns civilization to its status quo path of growth and biophysical uh, deconstruction. No amount of non-fossil energy will make a difference unless we lower our total energy consumption and accept its consequences of no growth, which I want to know what no growth means to you. Climate change is a big problem, you say, but it is a subset of a larger problem of biophysical overshoot. We're going to talk about what is overshoot. We have exceeded the carrying capacity on the planet, folks. Continued economic and material growth based on renewable energy does not begin to solve that fundamental reality. It is time to be honest. Growth is the core of the human predicament. It was that was beautifully written, and that was what caught my attention. And so I want to try to get us on track of let's begin with. You, you start out by saying, without fossil fuels, we are screwed. Tell me yeah. why we're screwed without fossil fuels. Okay, Kim. So there are four pillars of modern civilization without which it will collapse. Those are steel, cement, plastic, and fertilizer. Okay. And you can just imagine uh, without those things, there's no construction. We can't 
produce food to feed the planet, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we can't even make uh, electric vehicles or wind turbines or, or solar panels without those components. Okay, here's the bottom line. We have no idea how to make those things without fossil fuels. No idea whatsoever. Everything we use in today society is a byproduct, a derivative of fossil fuels. In some right. way or other, but most importantly, everything we use needs to be extracted from the earth, shipped, manufactured, shipped again, and distributed, and then constructed. And all of that relies on fossil fuels. Okay, now I'm not saying, oh, well, because of that, we need to, you know, continue using fossil fuels. Just a fact, okay? I mean, so so people, uh, th there was one guy at the, the meeting you went to that got up and said, well, you know, um, all I have to do to make cement is to add water. And I, I, I didn't say it, but I wanted to say, how do you think the cement gets into the bag, man? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is an extractive process that requires mining tons of, of rock and clay, heating them to 2,500 degrees centigrade for an extended period of time so that you can put it into a bag and buy it at Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever you shop. Now, even people with no background in energy can just imagine that 2,500 degrees centigrade is really hot. And to maintain that level of heat using electric power, for instance, not only is pretty much impossible, but the cost would just be outrageous. So right there, you got to have cement to build roads, buildings, et cetera, et cetera. We can't make it without fossil fuels. They, they don't get that far in their thought process. It's the same people who show up at our state of energy events or our energy talks and they're protesters, but they drove there. They're wearing clothes. They're wearing makeup. They have shoes. It's just amazing to me how they don't think things through before they show up and think that well, it's, it's so simple. They, it's because they're, they're, they have a very narrow focus. Okay. I mean, yeah. Well, you talk about that in your lecture. So, so just thinking about carbon emissions, and and, and I, I don't blame them. I mean, they're not they're not trained. They don't have a background in in the complexity of of climate or energy or any of these earth systems. Okay. So I'm not I'm not saying that people are dumb or they're wrong. I'm just saying you should listen to people who actually know something about this, so you can calibrate. You know, you want yes. to fix the climate? I'm a hundred percent with right. you. You right. know, let well, me let me tell you what what's feasible. You you did a conference in San Marcos. You talk about also on the lecture about how a whole bunch of people were very unhappy with you with this message right. you gave. <laughs> what and the problem was these people. These people were uh, climate change true believers, and they came to the conference with. Uh, all sorts of preconceived ideas, notably, well, all we have to do is, you know, uh, plug and play renewable energy for fossil fuels, and then we can carry on just as before, and everything will be great. And I was challenging that cherished belief. Now, when I gave the talk at UT, the reception was different. Uh, the And it wasn't because it was in Austin versus San Marcos, it was because a lot of the people there were students or faculty, 
and they didn't come with fully formed ideas. And their reaction, instead of being angry and outraged, was, oh, wow, you know, you've given us a completely different perspective. Not sure we agree with you, but we need to think about this and thank you. Because what you because what you gave in that lecture, and I'm sure the the conference, is that fossil fuels is only one small problem of a bigger problem that we need to face uh, because we're going to have consequences. So for the tunnel vision, we need to get informed, be part of the solution, not the problem, because there are bigger problems ahead of us. And I want to get into that in the show. Art, we're going to have to take a quick break. When we return, you cover in a slide carbon tunnel vision. And I want to get into that. I want to also get into the uh, energy slave animal that you used as well. There's a lot we're going to cover. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to on the Old Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Arthur Berman, who is a petroleum geologist as well as a scientist for over 45 years. Let's let's move on and talk about a slide that you presented. The title of it was Carbon Tunnel Vision. What is that? Do we have a problem with carbon tunnel vision? Yeah, Kim, carbon tunnel vision simply means people that are 100% focused on CO2 emissions and climate change. And, and again, that's a really important thing to be worried about, but it's part of a bigger complex of problems that include pollution and, um, and extinctions and acidification of the ocean and deforestation and, you know, and on and on and on. And you, the idea that you can solve one little piece of this puzzle without addressing the others is, is just flawed. Um, in, the, in both talks that you referenced, I, at the end I showed a, um, a Jenga tower and I, I played Jenga with my grandchildren. And for those who don't know, it's a, it's a tower of, of wooden blocks and each player has to remove a block and then put it on the top. And then the next one does the same. And the one who wins is, is the one who doesn't collapse the tower first. But both players know that by doing that, they're going to collapse the tower because you're, you're producing instability. Well, that's what we're doing. You know, by pulling out pieces like fossil fuels of the Jenga tower of civilization, we don't, or many people don't understand that one of us who's taking out pieces is going to cause the tower to collapse. And it's just a matter of which one of us wins and which one of us loses. But we both lose if the tower collapses. And so this is the faulty idea of carbon tunnel vision, that if carbon were the only problem and we could, and it was unrelated to other problems and we could solve it simply by emitting less carbon, well, then that would be great. But nothing ever works that way in life. It just doesn't. It's not that simple. So. That's the problem. And again, I, I, I sympathize for well-intentioned people who honestly believe that that is the biggest problem we face. And it's not their fault that they don't see that it's a much larger and more complex problem. So in this slide, it says climate change is a narrow view of the human predicament. A broader perspective is needed that includes energy, economics, population, 
ecology and human behavior. And I love this uh, graph because it actually is the truth. It, it's a bigger problem than just like you said, climate change. Let's talk about another slide you had. It was titled, There is No Energy Transition, No Paradigm Shift, No Green Revolution. Can you talk to me about those talking points that you were talking about in that graph? So if you look backwards, I think the graph goes back to 1800, and it separately tracks all the kinds of energy we use, including biomass, which is you know, wood and stuff like that. And, and, and what it shows is that as new sources of energy came into use after 1800, first coal and then oil and then natural gas and hydro and you know eventually renewables, None of the other things went away or even reduced. That right. there, an energy transition is additive. It simply means that as worldwide demand continues to increase, which it does with mm -hmm. more and more people on the planet, we simply add more new forms of hopefully more effective or efficient energy. But if you go back and look, we are using more biomass wood than we did in 1800. We're using more coal today than we did in 1800. And, and, and that just shows, okay, as a percentage, which is what we hear all the time on, in the press, of course, biomass or coal is going down as a percentage because we're using more and more fossil fuels and renewable. But as a volume, it's increasing. And that's what matters for the planet. The planet doesn't care about percentages or statistics. It cares about how much energy is going into the system as waste. And so we can yep. congratulate ourselves on the fact that, you know, we've got, you know, increasingly large amounts of renewable energy being installed every year. But as long as we're producing more and more waste, in the form of heat and CO2, the planet yawns. The planet says, you're not helping me, guys. So, so that's, that's what the slide is about. There, there never will be, if history is a guide, a replacement of one form of energy with another. There, may, there will be a percentage decrease. In this slide, and again, our listeners, you really need to look and listen to the whole YouTube uh, lecture you gave to the University of, uh, uh, or the Energy Institute. You, the slide says total energy consumption continues to increase. And, and what you're saying in a recap before we go to break is we're not removing any energy, fossil fuels or anything else for that matter. We're just continuing to add more into the system. And if I remember correctly, the previous slide and your previous discussion within your lecture is that the problem is we're consuming so much, we're not removing any, we're continuing to grow in consumption with the population growing. And so there is no energy transition. We just continue to add more and more and more into the mix. When we get back from break, Art, I want, to, I want you to explain to us why we are energy slaves and what is an energy slave. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back.
Attention small and medium-sized business owners. Are you feeling overwhelmed with back office tasks like payroll, workers' compensation, federal regulations, safety laws, employment standards, and benefits? Don't worry. Unique HR has your back. For over 30 years, our team of qualified professionals has been providing people-centered solutions to help businesses like yours navigate the heavy burden of running a business and managing their workforce. We're the PEO with a pulse, and we are just a phone call away. Call us today at 361-852-6392. Unique HR, the partner you can trust. In the oil and gas industries, you don't just need a workers' comp provider, you need a workers' comp provider who understands your business. That's Texas Mutual Insurance Company. At Texas Mutual, they've created the Texas Oil and Gas Association Safety Group exclusively for businesses involved with exploration and production. That means you'll have access to information and safety resources that fit the way you work. But the advantages don't stop there. As a safety group member, you'll receive a premium discount on your workers' comp. Plus, you can qualify for double dividends. You heard that right. Members can earn an additional dividend on top of the one you receive as a policyholder. It's all part of Texas Mutual's commitment to working as a partner with the businesses that keep our state running. Texas Mutual and the Texas Oil and Gas Association, two great organizations that are even better together. To see if you qualify to become a safety group member, go to TexasMutual.com slash TXOGA. And we're back. You're listening to In the World Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Art Berman, who is a petroleum geologist and scientist with over 45 years of experience in and out of energy industry. Art, in one of the slides uh, and the lecture that you gave to the Energy Institute, you, you talk about something that you title energy slaves. And you talk about how we're all energy slaves so as much as we want to say we want to get off fossil fuels, uh, we want to protest, we want our voice to be heard, we want to hang from bridges, we want to scream the loudest in the room, we want to make our our thoughts be known publicly to the largest audience we can, uh, you, you basically are saying that we're all energy slaves. Can you explain what an energy slave is to us? Yeah, sure. And, and just to, to clarify, we're actually all energy slave owners. Okay. Slave so, owners. Ooh, yeah. Okay. So we're all, you know, we're 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 all, uh, you know, plantation, uh, uh, old South, antebellum slave owners. So the world uses roughly uh, 380 billion barrels of oil equivalent of coal, natural gas, and and petroleum products every year, and every barrel of oil equivalent, um, contains about four and a half years of human labor, okay? The work, the calories, if you will, that's in that barrel of oil is equal to four and a half years of human labor. So if you, if you take that, um, you know, that, that if, if you take those two numbers and, and you, you know, you, you multiply them together, well, you take the 300 and you know, and, and, and 82 and divide it out, you get, you know, roughly 100 billion barrels of oil a year times 4.5. And you're pretty close to having 500 billion fossil slaves doing our work for us 24-7. So the, the, the coal and the, and the oil and the natural gas are our slaves. We've got 8 billion people on the planet. And we've got 500 billion fossil slaves. Every single one of us, on average, owns 
45 fossil energy slaves. I mean, that's a, that would be a lot for a big plantation here in Texas back in, you know, 1840 or 1850. So the reason that slavery went out of business for the most part was it couldn't compete with fossil energy. It's real straightforward. So, so this is the reason. This is the reason that the world has become so much more prosperous because we've got all these slaves working for us all the time. It's just, you know, we, we found the most productive source of energy known to man, which is oil followed closely by natural gas and coal. And that is responsible for the material progress of the last 200 years. This notion of, of technology and innovation, okay, you know, those are nice, but I mean, those are tiny stowaways on this massive frigate of, of, of human economy. And those guys, those stowaways, have no idea that this frigate is powered by giant diesel engines. They think they're in charge of the journey. So this idea that technology and ingenuity has driven everything, it's just nuts. I mean, there wouldn't be any technology if it weren't for fossil energy. I mean, all the technology that, oh, wow, we got this new thing called coal. What can we do with it? Oh, we can make a steam engine. That's cool. I mean, nobody invented a steam engine before coal, nor would they, because it's stupid. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't accomplish anything. So are there this is a notion that people need to get rid of, okay? It's not about right. technology, it's about energy. Correct. Are are there any prosperous countries that lack uh energy sources? Uh sure. you know, access yeah, to they a lot of it all, like Japan. And so you can look at, um, if you look at GDP by country and energy consumption, it's a, it's a perfect correlation. The countries that consume the most energy have the highest GDP. And yep. the dirt poor countries consume, you know, like one twentieth per capita the amount of energy that, say, we do in the United States or in Europe. It's a real straightforward relationship. Nobody has to like it. It's just, it's, it's the fact. It's the way it's it is. It's a fact. There is no poor country that has access to plenty of energy and they are prosperous. That's basically what you said. No, and, in this, and in this slide, it says more than 350 billion fossil energy slaves work 24-7 for 8 billion human beings. And the population is only growing. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to switch gears. Because while we've talked about energy, the first part, and how it's not a transition because we keep adding more into uh, Mother Earth, if you will, not removing any, just keep adding more into it, just changing which energy source we use. Um, you tell us that that's not the biggest problem we're going to face in the future is uh, energy on climate change. We, we have something far greater coming at us a whole lot faster. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. My guest today is Art Berman, who is a petroleum geologist and scientist with over 45 years of energy experience. Art, before the break, we covered a lot of what is energy transition. You say no such thing. We keep bringing in more energy. We're just trading out which energy we use. We're consuming more than we ever have. And we are energy slaves, like it or not. However, also in that lecture you gave, 
you told the students and frankly, the world, if, if anybody wants to listen to it, which I highly encourage everybody to, to listen to it, climate change is not the biggest problem we face in the world. So if it's not the biggest problem we face in the world, but that's what our elected officials and world governments are telling us, what is the biggest problem? What is the biggest existential threat we are facing in the world? There are, there are several, but the one that I spoke of was what's called overshoot. And overshoot simply means that we humans are using the planet's natural resources and polluting it as a result at rates that are far beyond the planet's capacity to recover. It's just mm -hmm. that. And, you know, and all you have to do is take a drive anywhere and look around um, and place your attention on what you see, and you see trash, and you see, you know, a mess everywhere you look. And and so the, the forms of, of, the forms that, you know, over, to take, principally, the ones we're most aware of are pollution, air pollution, water pollution. So here in Houston, a couple of years ago, when Hurricane Harvey came through and flooded a number of houses. I was uh, a victim of it, yes. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, uh, they flooded, and they had to throw out most of the things in the house because the water that came in was contaminated. And what was it contaminated from? from all the fertilizer and all the, the, the pollution that just exists sitting on your lawn, your street, and your neighborhood. Okay, she had to throw out perfectly good things because they were contaminated. We live in a festival of our own contamination. So, you know, we can, people say, oh, well, climate change is a natural process. It happens all the time, you know, and it, it well, this pollution is not a natural process. There's no way that you can link the kind of garbage that came into your house and my daughter's house to a natural planetary process. That's the result of our society taking stuff and throwing it away. So we're polluting the land, we're polluting the waters, we're polluting the oceans, we're deforesting, we're overfishing, we are acidifying the ocean and we are contaminating the atmosphere with carbon dioxide. So in that context, carbon dioxide is a form of pollution, okay? I mean, and again, it's a very serious form of pollution, but, um, you know, go ask a fix <laughs> how it feels about carbon dioxide. I don't know about carbon dioxide, but I've got all this poison coming into my environment and I'm getting out of here. So, right. Overshoot is the and, and the cause of overshoot is very straightforward. It is the extraordinary growth of the human enterprise and human civilization, human population. Every one of us takes stuff in, throws stuff away, creates a certain amount of mess. The more of us there are, the bigger the mess. Okay, and that's it, it's just that straightforward. Again, it's not a criticism; it's just a fact. Well, let's let break it down a little bit more because in the lecture you you go into we're talking about carbon emissions and energy, but one thing that you haven't touched on is the economic growth problem, our financial institutions, and and basically what what I heard in this uh, lecture is that the real threat isn't really 
our energy resources, you said it's the consumption of everything. Yes. But one thing is codependent on the other. And we've almost ruined um, life as we know it some years back. Explain that uh, to me and why you feel it isn't just an energy problem when we look at climate. It's a, it's, it's a whole systematic problem. Break right. that down. So, so as I said a little bit ago, economic growth, GDP, is a statistically perfect correlation to energy consumption to energy consumption. And if you look at energy consumption and GDP over the last 200 years, they line up perfectly, which is what you would expect in a perfect correlation. Now you also look at population and population is a perfect lineup for that too. And you look at carbon emissions, and it's a perfect laydown. And you look at our ecological footprint on the planet, the way that we are overshooting and overusing it, and it's a laydown. So all five of those factors go hand in hand. And, and like the Jenga Tower, you know, you can't just remove one without affecting all the others. And so the underlying problem of all of these factors is energy. Energy is the economy. I mean, that's yes. that's a whole other topic that that I, you know, that I that I didn't invent, but that I. That sounds like another about. show in the future, Art. <laughs> well, it is, but you know, if you if you decrease if you want to decrease carbon emissions, the only way to do that is to decrease energy consumption, and if you decrease energy consumption you're going to decrease economic growth. And if you decrease economic growth, you're not going to be able to feed everybody on the planet or people are just going to die from poverty. So you're going to decrease population. Now, you know, you talk about the the, the well-meaning demonstrators who want to get us off fossil fuels immediately. And if you ask them, well, okay, let's do that. And one consequence is, is that something like, Three billion people are going to die. Is that okay with you? Well, no, that's not okay with me. Another consequence is, is that you're not going to get any raises again for the rest of your life because the economy is going to contract. Is that okay? No, I didn't sign up for that. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not saying you're stupid that you don't know that. But you can't. You can't simply ignore all of the interconnections that exist here. And so. To put it in the simplest terms imaginable for our audience, growth is the, the, the biggest outward manifestation of the problem. If you don't want to think about all these complexities, it's growth. We cannot continue to grow at the rate that we have and expect everything to be okay. That's right, Art. And when we get back, we're going to break that down just a little bit more in the last segment because you talk about the energy blind people. And you also uh, gave a, you were asked by one of the students, when do we have this, this eruption? When do we face the consequences of what we've been doing? Uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to And the Wolf Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. 
Attention small and medium-sized business owners. Are you feeling overwhelmed with back office tasks like payroll, workers' compensation, federal regulations, safety laws, employment standards, and benefits? Don't worry. Unique HR has your back. For over 30 years, our team of qualified professionals has been providing people-centered solutions to help businesses like yours navigate the heavy burden of running a business and managing their workforce. We're the PEO with a pulse, and we are just a phone call away. Call us today at 361-852-6392. Unique HR, the partner you can trust. And we're back. You're listening to In the Wolf Patch Radio Show. My guest is Art Berman, who is a petroleum geologist and scientist with over 45 years of experience. Part of what your title was, was substituting renewable energy for fossil fuels is a doomsday strategy. This show has really been uh, probably not one of the happiest shows I've done, but it's probably the closest to the truth I've ever done. Um, And the outlook of the future, we're going to have to start making some very tough decisions very soon. Uh, Our elected officials really aren't talking to us truthfully. Um, It kind of reminds me back in the 60s when our governments felt like we could not handle UFOs. And all of a sudden, under the Biden administration, they release files and files and files that now we, I guess we've grown up and we can, uh, we now can know that UFOs exist or something else exists. It's the same way with energy and the consumption and what we're doing to ourselves that is not going to end well. Um, And there's no solution, but I want you to try to break it down. What you told the students, um, somebody's telling the truth and, and, First of all, tell me what energy blind people mean to you. And I know you talked about the Jenga game that when you pull one block out, you know, somebody's going to lose, but actually everybody loses because the entire tower falls. Um, What is energy blind people? And when do you see that this uh, moment of truth is going to come to all of us on the earth? Well, energy blindness simply means a failure to understand that everything that we do depends on energy. We think about energy as some sort of, a, of an isolated topic, you know, like we can talk about uh, last weekend's football game, or, you know, we can talk about how hot it is today, or we can talk about weather, or we can talk about energy, you know, it, but, but energy underlies everything. And I mean, animals understand this very clearly. Humans do not, but animals understand that I get energy from food, and if I don't go out and, and eat grass or tree leaves or go kill an Apollo or something, I have no energy and then I die. Humans think of energy as just another commodity. You know, well, I can, you know, I can go fill my gas tank or I can go buy a steak, <laughs> you know, or I can get on Amazon and I can, you know, order something that I don't need. And, and, and that's simply not true. Energy is the master resource of the world. It's, it's the essence of life. And so you ask most people, where does energy come from? Well, if they know or they think they know, well, it comes out of the wall, right? That's <laughs> and, where most people think I'm it not, comes from. <laughs> well, that's where it gets, that's yeah. how it gets to me, at least the electric power part, or it comes out of a pump at the gas station. I, I, don't, I don't think people need to know where it comes from. That's not their job. That's not their responsibility. But they don't understand that energy is the key to everything else we do. And so if you don't understand that, then everything else is either very confusing or irrelevant. And, and so all of the problems that we have in society are because of, you know, bad policy or bad management. And, and we just need to get, you know, the XYZ party out of power and 
put some people in who will clean things up and you know make executive decisions that'll make things better. And and I'm not criticizing any particular political party because they're they're you know they're they're everywhere. But you know that that hasn't worked in 10,000 years. We always replace our political leaders, and nothing ever gets nothing really changes that much. So energy is the constant. It is the governing principle of life. So energy blindness just means you don't understand that. That's it. Okay. Okay. So the, to the energy blind people who want to believe that energy comes from their- us, Most of us. If you believe that energy comes out of your, uh, when you turn on a light switch, okay, and you still go to protest, but you don't quite understand, let's move into the more severity as we close out the show. God, I hate closing on a, sh- on a sour note, but it's the reality, folks. Um, decoupling. And, um, and, and, and one, one student asked you, uh, I, I thought it was very strange. She asked you a question and you handled it beautifully, by the way, Art. She said, well, um, who's going to, who's going to, uh, perish first? Who, who's going to face the consequences? And she, she said, I hope it's the rich and not the poor to that degree. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. She didn't All say right. it just like that, but your answer was, was beautiful to her. I, I want you to close out with what are we going to face in the future? Uh, uh, and, in the way of climate change and answering for the amount of consumption that we are using the world, by the way, not just the United States of America. What are your closing statements to us, the people who are listening? First of all, the the people who have the least um, get hurt the worst and lose the most always. I mean, that's just, that's just a, an observable fact of reality. So people in who don't have money or in poor countries, they will suffer the worst. But where this is going, Kim, is I don't think there's hardly any possibility that we're going to somehow make the right decisions and say, you know what, we just need to reduce our energy consumption. That, that, that's just not going to happen. And so what's going to happen most likely is that Mother Earth is going to dictate the term back to us. And mm-hmm. something will happen, um, which will be probably traumatic, if not catastrophic, um, that will force us to reduce energy consumption, not because it's a good idea, but simply because it isn't available or it isn't affordable. Now, not wanting to end on a, on a downer kind of note, I mean, that's, that's not a terrible thing. Uh, I'm not saying that there won't be suffering and I won't, I'm not saying that, you know, some people won't die. I'm saying that it's inevitable that this happens. You cannot use more than you have and expect things to end well. And if you choose to ignore it, then at some time, the way things are is going to come back to you as a day of reckoning. And so I am not pessimist. I am not depressed. I am not gloomy. I am simply looking at things the way they are and trying to describe where we are right now. And and so rather than be depressed about this, I would encourage people to think about what can I do in my own life with my own family and friends and people that I love and care about to prepare for what's coming. When will it come? I don't know. I hope it never comes, but it will. You know, will it come in one year? Will it come in five? Will it come in 10? I don't know. The longer it waits, the better as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, you cannot ignore all of these all of these factors they they will there will be a day of reckoning and so we need to think about well 
what will I do when I don't have all the things that I want? Am I get humble be, real quick? <laughs> am I able to be satisfied with what I have? Because if I am, I will, I'll be okay. I'll have less, but we're still going to have so much more than we had even 30 or 40 years ago. It's not that bad. That's it's right. not going to be so bad. It's just not going to be the way it is now. Maybe we go back to a simpler life, like in the 60s. That'd be nice. And, right, and, and um, I'll just end my comments with uh, something that, that two of my friends and colleagues say all the time, and that is renewable energy is perfectly capable of power and civilization, just not this one. Correct. Where, if our listeners want to find you, where do they go to find you? Well, the best two places are my website, artberman.com, and the other place is my Twitter or now X account, which is um, at AEBerman12. Uh, if anybody wants to hear the entire lecture, you need to go to the University of Texas Energy Institute. The title was Substituting Renewable Energy for Fossil Fuels is a Doomsday Stratagem. Art, thank you for being a guest on today's show. We look forward to having you back very soon in the future. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.